Welcome to the JDub podcast, where inspiring speakers share their Jewish dream, observation, or vision. I'm Shoshana Boyd Gelfand, founder of JDub, and our guest today is Yisrael Campbell, a comedian who lives in Jerusalem with his wife and four children. Yisrael is well known for his critically acclaimed show, Circumcise Me, which he wrote and starred in during its eight month run off Broadway. But when he was asked to give a J-Dub talk, he resisted simply repeating the best bits from the show. Instead, he realized that he wanted to share the story that has been the connecting factor of his life. Because stories are sometimes where we can best learn the truth, as he eloquently explains in this talk appropriately called, Because God Loves Stories. When the Baal Shem Tov was dying, he gathered his Hasidim together to give them each a job. The big jobs went to the big guys, the little jobs to the little guys. And when he was done, there was still one Hasid left. And he brought him in and he said, your job is to go throughout Europe and tell the stories of our life and our work. Not a great job. And so the Hasid said, as we all say when we get such a job, for how long? And the Baal Shem Tov said, you'll know when to stop. And when the time came, he started out. And he crisscrossed Europe for years, telling the stories of their life and their work. And one day he woke up and he said, I think I'm done. And then he heard there was an Italian nobleman paying gold ducats to hear new stories of the Baal Shem Tov. And he thought, maybe I'm not done, done. <laughs> and he made his way to the nobleman's castle. And he was brought in and he sat down. And he couldn't think of a single story. Not one. He sat there all day, the nobleman expectant, but nothing. Finally, at the end of the day, the nobleman said, look, get some rest, eat something, play tennis. Late 1700s. <laughs> Whatever you want. But nothing. The second day, again, nothing. And in the middle of the third day, the husband said, listen, I have to leave. This is humiliating. This is embarrassing. I am the storyteller of the Baal Shem Tov. That's all I do. I have to leave. And he made his way out and he started down the path into the village and he thought of one story, seemingly inconsequential, seemingly insignificant. And he made his way back and he said, look, I'm going to tell you the story. Of course, I won't take any money. I just want to prove to you that I am who I say I am. And he started the story. He said, one spring season... The Baal Shem Tov told me to get the horses ready. We were going to Turkey. Now everyone knew that Turkey in spring at Easter was not a good place for Jews. And I said that. I said, I don't think we should go. And he said, get the horses ready. We're going to Turkey. And while we made our way there, I thought, okay, we'll hide with the Jews. And the Jews were hiding when they arrived. And the Baal Shem Tov threw open the shutters that looked down on the town square, just as the Christian procession was entering. And he said, get the bishop. I don't think I should get the bishop. He has the hat, the stick. I don't, he doesn't look happy. <laughs> get the bishop. And I made my way down, and somehow I got to the bishop, and he wasn't, in fact, happy. But he said that he would come and speak to the Baal Shem Tov after the Mass, and he did. And they went into a back room for three hours. And at the end of that time, the Baal Shem Tov came out and said, get the horses ready, we're going home. And he said, the horses are already ready. And that was it. That was the end of the story. But before he could apologize one more time, the nobleman held up his hand and he said, 
I was there that day. I was that bishop. I come from a long line of rabbis, but the persecution was so much that I converted to Christianity and the Christians so loved that after some time they made me their bishop. And I went along with the persecution of my own people. And when you came and told me I had to speak to the Baal Shem Tov, I knew I did. And when I spoke to him, I said, is there any way I can be forgiven and I can be healed? He said, go live a quiet life of good deeds. And if ever anyone comes and tells your story, then you'll know that you have been forgiven and you've been healed. But three days ago you came here and you couldn't tell my story. I recognized you immediately. But you didn't see me. And now today you remember my story and I know that I have been forgiven and I have been healed. When I was nine years old, I took my first drink. I waited. I could have used a drink on the way to kindergarten. Now you can't tell me that a shot of bourbon wouldn't have taken the edge off nap time. I drank it away that Carl Jung described as being the equivalent on a low level of the spiritual thirst of our being for wholeness, expressed in medieval language, the union with God. I was seeking spirit in a way that had killed several of my friends, killed them dead, I know, I was there at their funerals. On February 5th, 1980, when I was 16 years old, I wandered into a church basement and I listened to a series of people tell their stories. Not mine. No one knew I was there. But when they told their stories, I heard my story. And when I did, I knew. I knew that if they could heal, I could heal. If they could be forgiven, I could be forgiven. Fifteen years later, I was dying again. A spiritual death. Not on the outside, but on the inside. Not as spectacularly, but just as dead. And I was shown a group of stories. Stories of Elie Wiesel and Primo Levi. Stories of Leon Uris. Shown these stories by a beautiful young Jewish woman, Laura Levinson of blessed memory. Laura was a beautiful young Jewish woman. Jewish. Not religious. Not from. Jewish. She showed me a series of stories which started me on the path which brings me to you today. How does an Irish-Italian Catholic kid from Philadelphia come to stand before you, an Orthodox Jew living in Jerusalem? This is my story. A story that has covered three conversions to Judaism and Aliyah to Israel, three times being told, Welcome. No, wait. And a fourth time being told, Rega, rega, leat, leat. You can imagine when I show up for a flight on El Al with a passport that says Christopher Campbell. <laughs> They're like, we got him! Because <laughs> they think I just forgot to switch the passport. <clears throat> and they would ask, why did you convert to Judaism? I would tell them the whole story. I would say I was seeking a community of people with which I could struggle to have a relationship with God. Perhaps not have that relationship, but struggle to have that relationship. El Al is not interested in putting people on airplanes that are struggling to have a relationship with God. (laughs) 
They don't even like vegetarian meal requests. <laughs> it seems unfair that I went on a spiritual search and now I have four children who are going to have to serve in the Israeli Defense Forces. But this is a life story, not a fairy tale. Almost 30 years ago, I walked into my therapist's office and I said, I know exactly what I want to do with my life. He said, okay. I said, well, it's two things, actually. The disciplined part of me and the undisciplined part of me. Okay. He said, the disciplined part of me wants to be a cop. The undisciplined part of me wants to be an actor. He sat up and leaned forward, always a bad sign. You think wearing a uniform and telling people where to park is discipline? How about this? You're living in New York. You can barely afford to eat. You haven't had a date in six months. You have rats in the walls of your apartment. But you have to go on stage at eight times a week and be happy-go-lucky, carefree. Or you're finally getting recognized for your work. People are taking notice. You have a beautiful girlfriend and a wonderful apartment. And eight times a week, you have to go on stage and be a miserable, self-pitying, sniveling slob. If you think a shiny shoes and a gun is discipline, then go be a cop. So I started to study acting, and then a few years later, when there wasn't enough work, I turned to stand-up comedy, which was really just a refining of telling my story instead of someone else's. And it was that great chassid, William Shakespeare, who wrote... <laughs> To thine own self be true. But then there's the part that nobody ever remembers. Shakespeare wrote, To thine own self be true. For as surely as the night follows the day, thou canst not be false to any man. When the Baal Shem Tov saw misfortune threatening the Jews, it was his custom to go to a certain place in the forest and meditate. There he would light a fire, say a special prayer, and the danger would be averted, the miracle accomplished. Later, when his disciple, the Megid of Mezarich, had reason to intervene with heaven for the same reason, he would go to the forest, and he would say, Master of the universe, I do not know how to light the fire, but I can still say the prayer and the miracle would be accomplished. Still later, when Rebbe Moshe Leib of Sassov, for the same reason, had to intervene with heaven, he would go to the forest and he would say, Rabbonu Shalom, I don't know how to light the fire. I don't even know how to say the prayer, but I know the place, and it would be enough. Generations later, when it fell to Rabbi Yisrael of Reisen, Sitting in his armchair in his home, he would hold his hands in his head and he would say, Dear God, I don't know how to light the fire. I don't know the words of the prayer. I don't even know the place in the forest. All I can do is tell the story. And that must be sufficient. And it was. God made man because God loves stories.
Thank you for listening to this JDove podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. To watch over 100 other talks on video or to download other podcasts, please visit our website at jdove.org.